So welcome to Bulls and Boudoirs and when we talk about Bulls and Boudoirs it's always interesting just to get a real life stories of people. You know how you have to be real about things, you can't be lying about how you made it, you can't be lying about your struggles, you have to talk about it the way it happened and I'm very pleased to have our very own I think, well, in my personal opinion, I think he's a living legend in London, somebody that we should talk more about, but we haven't talked more about. Um, we have former GB guard um, and also international, I don't want to say just Europe, but I'll say international basketball player. And now the star of London Lions, Justin Robinson, joining us on Balls and Boudoir. Justin, welcome. Hi, um, thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you and um, I'm excited to speak with you today. Justin, like, I always say, when I talk about you as a basketball player, I'm always kind of on the hype. People think I'm hyping for no reason. But I'm hyping because I know, like I said, I think you're a living legend in London that we don't talk more about and we should talk more about. But what I want to start off with, I want to talk about your life as a child in London and growing up in Brixton. And at what point did basketball come into the situation? And then when did you decide to take it seriously? So in your own words, from the beginning, how did it all start? Yeah, um, I mean, I probably started playing maybe like seven or eight, um, just messing around on my estate with my friends. Um, never really took it serious, you know, just shooting against the wall, shooting against crates, you know, anything we could find, we would just, you know, just find a way to play. And then um, my older brother actually bought me a, a Michael Jordan poster for Christmas. And I had that poster for years, like for years. and. I think it was after that poster, I told my dad that I want to go to play basketball, you know, I want to find a club team. Or, And then my dad took me down to the Brixton Rec and i never forget, you know, like the first day walking in there on a Wednesday, seeing all the older guys. Because um, Brixton Rec is like notorious yeah, for basketball. Yeah, 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 you know, like walking in there on the first day, me meeting uh, Jim Rogers for the first time and it was, it was just an intimidating experience, you know, like seeing all the older guys, seeing all these good young players. Um, yeah, and then I started going to Brixton, um, started, you know, it, it, it kind of became a part of my life, you know, um, it kind of consumed you and, and I guess like it became like a home away from home basically, you know, um, obviously like when I was growing up there's a, a lot of things off the court, you know, um, a lot of my friends were getting involved in crime and all this stuff. Talk about that because London right now, I remember actually when London 2012 was coming to London and I came down to Cobham to see you guys and you guys had just finished playing Nigeria and I said to you Justin there's a lot of kids out here killing each other stabbing each other what are your thoughts on it and you've gone you've traveled you've played internationally and you've come back home and Brixton is one of the play you know it's the place that you grew up yeah. and every other day there's a stabbing there's a shooting what was it like at the time when you were growing up and how did that have an impact or help you make a decision that this is the course I'm going to take because if I don't I might end up like this yeah I mean when I was growing up you know Brixton was kind of like a, a no-go area you know um, you know my estate um, it's called Cowley Estate that whole area Cowley Estate Mightsfield Angel Town that was just like it was a bad bad place but at the same time it was for me, it was a, a sense of community at the same time, you know. I mean, everyone knew everyone, you know, everyone was all together. It, it didn't matter what race you was, white, black, whatever, you know. Um, so even though there was a lot of crime, you know, a lot of um, shootings and drugs and stuff like that, it was it was home, you know. So, um, but for me, I think it kind of put that seed in my mind where, you know what, 
I need to be someone, you know, like, because I remember growing up, I, I used to feel hopeless, you know, I'm like, yo, how am I going to make it out of this place, you know? Um, but then I, I think, like, you know, seeing older people in my family, um, older guys in the area, you know, you, you kind of learn from, from their mistakes, you know, and you say, you know, I, I don't want to go down this route, you know, I want to do something positive with my life. And then going to Brixton just kind of, you know, um, how, how would I say it? Kind of solidified that seed, you know. I just told myself, you know, this is something that I love and I, I want to do it and then no one's going to stop me, you know. Um, you know, no matter what my friends are doing or people around me, you know, this is what I want to do and I want to do it and I just stuck with it, stuck with it. And I'm lucky to have friends that even though they was doing crazy stuff, they always supported me. They never tried to influence me or put that pressure on me to join in what they're doing. They always told me, yo, just keep it up, you know, keep training. If I was hanging out with them, like, yo, just go training, man. Like, you know, what are you doing? So I'm thankful to have those people around me, you know, you know, so. No, I mean, I totally understand because I grew up in Tottenham. Yeah. And um, <laughs> growing up in Tottenham, it was same, a bit like the same, same thing, yeah. It was so dangerous to the point where sometimes you're like, am I in a war zone yeah, or something? Yeah. And again, you know, because you're growing up in that area, that's your community. Everybody yeah, exactly. knows everybody. And I always said to people when they hear Tottenham and they turn their nose up on you, I'm like, listen, you may think it's a war zone, but this is my home. Exactly. And, Exactly. When I was growing up as well, along with Pops and Benson and the rest of us, we were like, even though we love this area, we need to make it out of this yeah, area. Yeah. We need to make it out because we need to show other kids in the area that, you know, you can. You can come from Tottenham and make something out of yourself. Exactly. You can't come from Brixton and make something out of yourself. Exactly. So you joined the Brixton Top Cats and Jimmy, Jimmy Rogers is like a legend. And you keep on going. You've got people like yourself, Luau, Matthew Bryan, Jaflo Larkai, um, Ajul. Even my big brother Kojo at some point was <laughs> part-time Brixton top he's cat. Like, he's Brixton, <laughs> don't get twisted. <laughs> top cat. And then at, at what point at Brixton top cat you're just like, yeah, I, I want to go to America. I want to go play professionally. Um, like when I first started playing there, it was kind of like a, you know, like a fun, you know, a fun thing. You know, you, you go there, you know, you're young, playing around with the kids, messing around, and then um, <clears throat> I used to always see like older guys going to the States, coming back, going to the States, coming back. And, you know, I always remember these guys having on, like, these, like, crisp, uh, what's it called, what, uh, white tees. Yeah. And, like, the backpack, you know, yeah. the rucksacks. Room of the loom. You know, so I used to always see these guys. I'm like, yo, man, like, yo, these guys look cool, man. Like, you know, these guys are going to America wearing the, the fitted caps. Yeah. And, um, and then... Big buggy trousers. Exactly, you know. And then used to have the um, uh, rough and ready. You know, yeah. so like that kind of inspired me, like yo, man, I, I want to do this, you know. And then I think the older guys at Brixton kind of saw my talent early, you know. And um, I mean, a lot of people f um, in Brixton they always forget about this, but um, Jabbar Kasim cannot be um, forgotten about, you know. He, he was crucial, you know, in, in all of our um, development. A lot of people say Jimmy Rogers, Jimmy Rogers, and of course Jimmy's the face and. You know, he does a lot of the groundwork, but Jabbar Kassim was 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 um, so important in my development as not only as a basketball player, but you know, my whole temperament, you know, my behavior, my mindset. You know, he really tried to channel that. That um, because when I was young, I used to get angry quick, you know, like for no reason, and he kind of taught me how to channel that, you know, frustration. But why were you getting angry? Were you getting angry because it was just an attitude thing? 
or were you getting angry because this is the area I came from and you felt that you had, had to put a certain <laughs> kind of persona on to show that you I'm a bad man on road too? Uh, nah, nah, it wasn't a persona. I, I guess just um, that teenage, you know, attitude kind of, you know, angry at the world. Um, I don't know, maybe, you know, just trying to achieve success too fast, you know, like you're getting impatient because you're not as, as good as you want to be or you, you're not where you want where you want to be at that point in your life but um he just he just really really helped me man i mean and like even to this day he's not coaching at Brixton, but me and him we stay in contact you know we meet up every now and then for some hot chocolate coffee you know but yeah i mean when i was about 11 12 i kind of told myself like Look, listen i'm going to america man i should tell everyone in Brixton, like, oh just look Why at though? me like, like everybody <laughs> says i'm going to america i'm going to america not at one point did you ever turn around and say Actually, I want to be the best here. I don't want to go to America and play. I want to be the best in the UK. Why not the UK but America? Because back then, you only had a certain type of ceiling, you know? Like, back then, you didn't have no academies, you know, all these academies that got everywhere. Back then, if, if you didn't go to America, you know, you kind of just stopped playing or, you know, you, you played men's until you just kind of flared out. <laughs> You know, and had a child and got, that, got you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so um, back then, and, and especially with Brixton, back then players were going so often that it was like, listen, man, I need to join this this thing. You know, and I, I need to be part of this group. You know, and I had a lot of the older guys going, you know, Lake and Flo, Sean Gray, um, Rashid Quadri, um, Luar mm-hmm. Deng, Adju. You got you know all these guys, Daniel Sander. All these guys are going to America. I'm like, come on, man. You know, like oh God, I forgot Daniel Sander. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Um, I just wanted to be a part of that and obviously at the time I didn't realise that I could get an education too, you know, so, you know, those, all those older guys, you know, Marcus Knight, Marvin, Marvin Addy, even, even though those two didn't go to America, you know, all those guys inspired me, you know, so. It's crazy because you're mentioning all these names and these are names that I know that you know, I've grown up around and you've grown up, they're all friends and every single time when I've spoken about America, what, what was it like for you now leaving London? This, Brixton, this is like a war zone, this is, man, I may not make it. Then you get your scholarship and you go to America. What happens? Um, it was a huge culture shock, man. A massive, massive culture shock. Um, I mean, me and you have spoke about my experience a little bit. Um, I went to a school in, uh, the school was in Virginia, but we stayed in uh, West Virginia. And it was just horrible, man, you know, like, basically what they told me was different they sold you dreams. Basically, they sold me a dream. You know, when I got there, it was a whole, whole different atmosphere. You know, um, we stay in like a trailer caravan, um, you know, cramped condition. It was just, and I got there late, so I was behind on schoolwork, and they were expecting me to, to you know, make up two months of work and all this. It was just, I mean, I'm not trying to, I ain't really trying to talk bad about anyone, so I don't no. want to go in in depth too much. You know, but, but I want you to tell the truth about it because. It's funny when I speak to young people and I say to them, so what, what's your next step of basketball? And they go, I want to go to America. And I always go, well, why not stay here? Why not go to Spain? Why not go to Italy? Yeah. Because you have those programs yeah. in Europe. And people don't want to do it, but one, because they don't know about it. But two, America's always been the place that British kids aspire to go. Yes, yes. Then I spoke to Pops and I was like, Pops, yo, what was your experience like in America when you went as a boy? Yeah, yeah. And Pops was like, man. And when he started telling me, I thought he was making it up. Yeah, like, yeah. That was a movie. Yeah. Then I spoke to Ogo. Hmm. And Ogo went, Benny, I literally lived in the bush. 
and I had a washroom with cockroaches every day. Literally, yeah. And I said, you're making this up. And then I spoke to Benson, and Benson had a totally different experience compared to everybody I've ever yeah. spoken to. I was like, yeah. Benson, Benson's like, well, I lived with a congressman, and he bought me iPads, and I, Benson lived the life. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then yeah. I speak to you, then I speak to Jarflo, and I speak to Luau, and they're like, yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. And I want you to tell the truth, because I want, don't want these young people that are here in the UK thinking that it's dreams like yeah. you go there and it's like stars and lights it's, yeah it's yeah. not like that yeah it, what it, was it really like without mentioning names yeah yeah it, it was um like it, it was horrible you know like obviously I'm, I'm 16 at the time um it's a huge culture shock you know um i'm used to like a a multicultural place you know you know you're going somewhere where it's just strictly white people um no one understands you because of your strong accent um, <laughs> seriously, I mean, it, it, it was ridiculous, you know, like I'm speaking and there's people and it's not understanding me. Um, and I think it didn't help that I went to a place like Virginia, you know, where it's in the South, you know, it's a bit more conservative. I think people are not as open to other cultures, you know, whereas, you know, if it was somewhere like New York or, or LA or, D yeah, you know, so um, it, it, it was just, it was just a horrible experience. Um, and I was by myself, you know, like we went to like a, a, a trailer slash caravan, whatever you want to call it. It, it wasn't a house, basically. Um, you know, cramp, cramped conditions, you know, food is, is iffy, you know, um, the culture trying to charge us rent. Uh, Sorry, I'm yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> and I had two Hungarian kids there with me. They were the same age as me. And I'm just kind of putting it into perspective how bad it was. Um, like not every day, but maybe like every so often, their family would call them, and you know they'll be speaking their language and start breaking down, like start crying, and you know like you can just feel their pain. Obviously, I'm going through the same experience as them, you know, like they can't speak English, but they're just, just finding a way. Um, it was horrible, you know, and I'm just glad that I, I got out of the situation. How, you know? how did you get out of the situation? How did um, things get better? And well, how do you even carry on wanting to play basketball? Yeah, yeah, well. It's like, Compared to that to Brixton, I'd yeah. rather come back to Brixton. Exactly. I mean, at that point, I was just like, you know, if this is America, I, I don't want no parts of it, you know. Um, so basically, like, around Christmas time, I told the coach, um, I'm going home, you know, for Christmas. And I never intended to go back there, you know. Um, so I went home. I said, I'm not going back, basically. Um, and then Matthew's coach at South Kent, he wanted me originally. And then, um, this is Matthew Bryan. Yeah, Matthew Bryan. Yeah, he, he spoke to his coach, and the coach, you know, he liked what he saw, and, and he, he took me on. And I went to South Kent for the rest of the year, and, and that was a whole different experience. Um, experience you know, I had my own room. You know, you, you got um, cafeteria, all you can eat. You know, <laughs> you know, the small things. You know, um, cafeteria, all you can eat. Um, the, the coach is more open to what's going on. People are treating you nice. It's just, it was just night and day. You know, um, and then. Obviously, after that, I went to Blair for Blair Academy for two years. You know, um, and those two schools were, were great. You know, especially Blair, it was an amazing experience. You know, I, I met some amazing people. You know, my coach there, Joe Mantegna, amazing guy. You know, you know, um, even to this day, me and him are still very close. I still got friends there, lifelong friends. You know, the guys that I speak to on a, on a regular, that I, I see them as as my family. You know, so like I said, it, it can be great for some people and it can be bad I mean it all depends on on the situation you, you know, you're going into but advice you would give to young people here that want to go America 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 
I mean, I always say to people, you've got to be very careful very when you're careful. signing too. Very careful. Because it sounds like a dream and it looks like a dream until you actually arrive and yeah. you realize it's not a dream, this yeah. is reality. What I would say is, is um, if you can, and you know, my family didn't, didn't have that luxury, if you can, take a trip there and see the place, you know, see what you're getting yourself into because sometimes the grass is not always green, green on the other side, you know, so if you can, take a trip do your research, you know, contact um, former players, you know, type in stuff on Google, you know, try to research the area because you never know, you never know. All these coaches, will, they'll sell you a dream, you know, and then when you get there, it's a whole different thing and you're trapped, you know, you're by yourself in a, in a huge country and you're, and you're trapped, so. So you, you leave there, you go to university, yeah. I think it's Ryder? Ryder University, you yeah. Go to Ryder, I'm there. I met a gentleman who is Luke Baramute's older brother and he, he describes you as the quiet English guy. He was really cool when he was here. What was that like for you? You went to university, you were at university, you have a great couple of years there yeah. and then the decision to then go pro. Why didn't you go to the MBA draft after that? Um, Ryder was was amazing, you know. Um, I picked, I had a lot of other offers, you know. Um, bigger schools, but I, I kind of felt that sometimes it's better to be a a big fish in a smaller pond, you know. Um, and I wanted to stay in New Jersey, you know. I wanted to stay cl um, close to my prep school coach. You know, he, he would come down with, with his family, come watch my games. I, I'd go up there, stay with them. Um, and the coaching staff from Ryder, they didn't sell me a dream. They told me, you know, you, straight away you'll come in, you'll start. And they, they kept their promise, you know. I started for four years. Had a great career, you know, um, all first team Mac, all first team Metro, all that, all that stuff, and um, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. And again, I got lifelong friends, you know, I got teammates there that I'm still very close with. Um, what was the experience like? Because I know college life in America for guys, and especially when you're English, because I know this, because Pops and Benson when they went to GW, all of a sudden the English accent was extra strong when they were on campus. <laughs> because we're using it to get girls, honestly. What was it like as, a, as an English guy going to university in America? What was that whole experience like? Explain it, because it's very different from high school yeah, yeah. to college. Yeah, and yeah. It's almost kind of like your little mini stars in, in, yeah. in universities. What yeah. was that like? Um, it was great. I mean, it's, it's different because prep school is very like structured. You know, you got curfew, you got study hall, all these things. Um, whereas in college, you're kind of left to your own devices, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, you're given a schedule and they tell you to figure it out, you know, you, you, you got, um, there's no one checking up on you saying, oh, have you done this essay, you done that. And I, I think people on campus just liked me because I was just level-headed, you know, like I didn't see myself as a, as a big star, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't walking around with my chest out and stuff. I interact with everyone, you know, I treat everyone the same as, you know, um, so, but I think that kind of draw, drew people to me, you know, um, and especially me being English, you know, a lot of people want to hear you talk and, and with me, my accent's strong, you know, I, I don't have a, a twang or American <laughs> as some other guys, you know. The people that go to America come back a year later and they sound American. Uh, hey. Lakin. <laughs> you, know, you know what it is? I think, I don't know. I mean, if, if you go there as a young child, then yeah, you can twang you know but I mean it's up to everyone you know everyone has their own mind but me personally I just couldn't do it you know I, and when I first got there I tried to adjust the way I speak and I was like nah I can't do this man I'm, I'm just just be myself you know but yeah um, I think the fact that you're the fact that you're 
from a different country and you're, you know, I think being from London, they're kind of like infatuated with us, you know, there's a lot of cultures in London and the whole, you know, half Dominican, the whole Caribbean side of it. But like I must say, for the longest time, Justin told me he was not Nigerian. <laughs> and I went around, every time I would say, Justin, I'm like, Justin is Nigerian. And I will get into it with people because Justin had told me he was Nigerian. Only to find out that all those years, this guy was not Nigerian. <laughs> Can you imagine? I would actually get into fights with people over it. I remember when, I think I told you outside of a rave. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm half Nigerian. And you bought it completely, but I was, I was I didn't even funny. question it. I know, it was funny. I did funny. not question it at all. I was like, bro. It was funny. You guys don't even know your friend. You can hang around with him. He's Nigerian. And you are not. But...